podcast from Green Curtain Theatre. In today's podcast, I'll be talking to Helen Kennedy, who was one of the finalists in our writing competition. Before I speak to her, let's listen to Nora Connolly performing Avoca. In the year of 47, I saw an end to what had been. Saw my neighbors, friends, and loved ones fade before me like a dream. On the ship, I crossed the ocean, sailing on the raging foam to the land of my tomorrows, far from my native. sailed on a famine tide, leaving three mounds of soft wicklow earth, unmarked but not forgotten. My ancestors, from the meeting of the waters, I'm retracing your steps, leaving Dublin for Liverpool. In the belly of this ship, the car deck rattles with heavy haulage, and it unsettles me, and I feel sick with regret. I'm leaving Avoca, its beauty buried under the stars, generations buried under my feet. It is woven into me. I lean over the rail of the top deck, shout into the wind, I'm one of yours. And on the spray, I can taste the metal of your tears. Wicklow, the rich pyrite, zinc, lead and copper bearing veins of the southeast. The taste of heavy metals filling lungs and breaking backs. Its black ores extracted for rancid sulphur when the munitions were needed for war. Gunpowder, the new cocaine. Ore on carriages to Arcloport for four shillings and sixpence a tonne. Wicklow raped for rich minerals, its wealth leaving the land of its heritage. The mine dust is lung heavy and dark red phlegm is coughed up in the dirt. Young men with old breath. In the cold of the winter, when the ice was broken on the well, the Wicklow Copper Mining Company posted a note on the mine gate demanding allegiance to the Crown, a threat to root out subversives. You couldn't read but the private militia harassed you to make your mark. Under your breath, I hear you whisper the oath of the United Irishman. See your fists tighten. You bury your anger to keep food in their bellies, protect them from the violence of half-hangings, floggings and house-burnings. My heart is racing. I feel your fear and it burns. Your father, Joseph, refused to betray them and was beaten, sent empty-handed down the tracks to the spoil heaps. You fed him until his last breath. Your wages were cut. Only the Cronebane Haitney could be traded in the Vale for wood and food and beer, the currency of control. You baked bread from the chaff and cooked barley on the slow fire. 
in the winter when the potatoes were rotted in the waterlogged earth the families of the land made first flight who shivered the baby bound to you and the unborn tilted in the swell the cob comes into view a first taste of the mersey where you caught your breath and kissed the expectation of a new life a cellar floor welcomed you you changed your name to steal a job and a bed moved inland to find work as an alkali laborer as your lungs burned you remembered davoka rooted to seven generations from the irish chieftains i'm leaving avoca its beauty buried under the stars generations buried under my feet it is woven into me grounded i'm finding you not leaving you behind Helen, your piece was the result of research that you've been doing into your family history. What was it like visiting Avoca for the first time? It was a huge surprise last year to visit Avoca, uh, which is where my family originate from, um, and a really emotional journey for me to actually go back and find the family house where my th- the house I was surprised to find is still standing. Um, It has four stone walls, Um, it has part of a roof um, and it's opposite the Avoca Handweavers Mill. I'd not expected necessarily to find the house, Um, but what that did for me was um, really connect me, not only uh, with my family. Um, I'd done some genealogy research and my mum had done an awful lot of family history research before me to find out a lot about my Irish ancestry. Um, But it's deeply rooted me to the area and I've been writing about Avoca and about my Irish family history ever since. Um, It was a wonderful experience to actually stand inside the house where they cooked, where they brought their family up, to stand in the garden of the house by the stream, to to actually be able to see the mine, to see the vale uh, where they lived and worked their whole lives. Um, so it, it was a wonderful experience. I'm sure that many people, like myself, were unaware that there had been mining in Ireland. What was it like for the miners who worked there? Wicklow has a very rich heritage of mining in Ireland. They've been mining copper as far back as the Bronze Age, and it was a major industry, a major part of the economy of that part of the world. Um, The mines employed most of the male labour in the area. My three times great-grandfather and his sons were all employed there as copper miners. Um, About two and a half thousand men uh, were employed in the mines in total. And as I say, they were extremely productive, producing over 5,000 tonnes in each mine uh, of copper a year. Um, But they also mined lead and sulphur, which was really important um, for munitions, for war iron and small amounts of precious metals, gold, silver and zinc were also found there. As I say, the mines were extremely profitable um, as way back as the 1840s. Each mine was worth about half a million pounds. Some were Irish owned um, by the Associated Irish Mining Company and some were English owned. 
Um, life for the miners was very tough. Um, most of the men were deaf in their 20s from the um, dynamite blasts below ground. Lots of them had lung and chest problems because of breathing in the dust. But it did provide um, employment during a time where of the Great Famine where many people who'd been reliant on the land were actually emigrating from Ireland. Um, my family actually managed to remain in Ireland till 1879 um, until there was a change in the mining industry. But um, overall, it was an extremely important part of the economy of that part of Ireland. As I say, Wicklow is really uh, well known um, for its mineral heritage. Your piece gives the impression that the owners had a lot of control over their workers. Um, there was a huge amount of influence and control um, executed by the, the mining companies. Um, they had their own militia who used to enforce uh, the rules and regulations. Some of the mines were English-owned and some were Irish-owned. Um, they did have control over um, the the currency, the Cranebane Halfpenny was a copper coin, um, that was minted and could be used in the Vale, could only be used in the Vale for wood and for food um, and for beer and was really a currency of, of control. Um, the mines and the mine owners executed quite a lot of control over uh, the men. Obviously, employment was very, very sought after at the mines. Um, and there was also quite a lot of controversy um, because... The uh, English-owned mines, um, the miners were asked to, sh to swear allegiance to the Crown, um, which did cause problems. Um, many of them didn't want to do that, but were forced to do that in order to continue their employment in those, in those mines. When did your family leave Ireland and why? And was life any better in England for them? My family left um, Ireland in um, 1879 when the mines started to fall into disuse. Um, by the 18, sort of, um, 80s, the mines had become less productive. Um, the sulphur that was being mined in Ireland, they did fall into disuse. And at that time, my family moved to the northwest of England. They emigrated to Widnes. Um, my two times great-grandfather Patrick Highland, um, became an alkali labourer in Widnes. Um, it was back-breaking heavy labour, very similar to that um, which he'd undergone as a, as a miner, dealing with shoveling ore. Um, many of the men um, employed in, as alkali labourers also had problems with um, lung and chest problems, wasn't particularly well paid. Many of the Irish families lived in, in poor, very poor accommodation, tenement accommodation um, in the towns. I would say that things for my family who, who settled in that part of the northwest um, started getting better, probably the generation after that. Um, but obviously their lives were um, certainly quite hard. Um, there was a lot of poverty, although they, you know, emigrated. I'm not sure that their, you know, the, the life, um, the quality of their lives was was much better in England than it had been in Ireland. How important is your Irish heritage to you? I'm hugely influenced um, by my Irish ancestry. Um, I feel very rooted um, to Avoca. 
um, and Ireland. Um, there is a huge amount to be written, I still think, a story still to be told from Irish history. Um, a good example of that is the, is the um, writing that I'm currently doing um, about my Irish family. But I'm absolutely fascinated by a lot of um, Irish authors and poets. Um, love Anne Enright, Lisa McInerney, Paul Lynch, Keelan Hughes, lots of lots of new emerging Irish voices, I think, in literature, um, which is very exciting. And finally, do you have any plans to do any more writing about your heritage? I'm writing a novel currently about um, seven generations of my family, which is rooted in its Irish history, um, talking about the lives, particularly of women in the family. Um, interestingly, uh, the first sort of two, three generations rooted in Ireland um, and interesting um, to follow where they where they emigrated to and what happened to them. Um, but I've also included other generations and set them in the social context of, of those um, the story starts and ends in Evoca, quite rightly. Um, the story was heavily influenced by my mum, who's got advanced dementia and has um, memories of visiting Evoca and has done a lot of family history research. So um, the book really starts and ends with, with my mum and tracing my family history back to Evoca. I'm hoping it will be um, published at some point this year. Um, but I'm also uh, writing other scripts um, for um, stage play and also some poetry, which is all uh, rooted um, to my Irish history. Thanks, Helen. I know that we're going to end this podcast by listening to you read a tribute to Avoca Miners, a poem which has become a firm favourite of yours. Thank you very much. This poem, dedicated to the miners of Avoca, is inscribed on the white cross above the valley, a tribute to Avoca miners. Beneath this soil, brave men did toil, each day, each night, each year. Mid rock and mud they sweated blood through stress and strain and fear. The miners here had much to fear, their families knew the strain. The stress wears like a gambler's wage, with life at stake for gain. Those women too, so well we know, work through the cold and rain. Their hands so sore from picking ore, no glove to ease the pain. There comes a time in every mine, sad grief comes into view. Mick Cran was one who lost his life, thank God there was but few. Terry McNamara from Arklow Town laid low whilst in his prime and Andy Beatty from far off land was killed across the line. We lost Joe Scott beneath this spot, so yon to leave this vale. Mose Hatton too, so brave and true, their memories here we hail. With trust and prayer in Our Lady's care, many lives were spared each day. Her watchful eyes forever gaze on us here at home and away. As we reminisce of bygone years and pray for those now gone, we know their days are passing fast, but memories still live on. This has been a Green Curtain Theatre podcast, recorded in March 2019.
Visit our website www.irishinlondontheatre.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the podcast service to be informed about new episodes as they are released.